0: Hey, welcome back to the Jesus Magnet podcast. I'm your host Joel and I have Laura with me. And today we are joined by Rosie Stewart. How are you doing, Rosie?
1: Good. Thanks for asking.
0: Um, we are so stoked to have you on. Thanks for coming on. And we are currently, for those following us around New Zealand, we're in Christchurch, well, just outside of Christchurch at, at the Oxford base with youth. Oh my gosh. With Youth With A Mission, I feel like my words are coming mouthful. out a little bit too fast, faster than my brain. And um yeah, we're at Youth With A Mission, Oxford, uh, often referred to as YWAM, and YWAM put every single thing into acronyms these days. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. We love it. <laughs> so yeah, thank you, Rosie, for joining us. Um I'm excited to hear your story. Yeah, I'm excited and, to share. um And yeah, you said earlier, you're one of 12.
1: Yeah. One of twelve kids. That wow. is amazing. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> that's a big family. That's a yeah. big Christmas.
1: Yeah. Well, my family didn't really celebrate Christmas a lot, but yeah, definitely, I can imagine it being a big Christmas. True. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, well, any gathering a would yeah, just be big.
1: It's never boring. To
0: be now, sure. before we start, is that something that like you've got cousins and things, and they've also got really big families?
1: No. So actually, I only have one cousin who I've never met who lives in America, I believe. She's about eight years old, but apart from that, I don't have any um, any cousins, and um, I have two uncles who I've never met as well. Really? Um, yeah, but that's pretty much my extended family. Wow! Yeah. Oh. yeah, so no aunts, just two uncles on my dad's side. Wow! <laughs> oh. And lots of brothers and sisters. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we were awesome. we were the odd one out in our family. Yeah, lots of lots of kids.
0: that's pretty cool though yeah so which which number are you in the family
1: so i'm the 10th i have two younger brothers so
0: you're the 10th wow
1: that's a (laughs) lot of older siblings absolutely (laughs) (laughs) it's good though um i wouldn't trade it for anything honestly i I really love having a large family
0: you know that's really weird to hear that because Mm. my brother has two my oldest brother Who's the old one in the family? Has two younger brothers, so he's where you are yeah. in your family yeah. with the two younger brothers. And I always think, like, he—it's just, it's just strange to think that he could have uh, what eight? No, ten. ten, um, ten more above yeah. him. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, really cool. <laughs> so, what's the what's the age gap between youngest to oldest? Do you know?
1: Um, I believe. So, my oldest brother, um, he's actually my half-brother. I, I've met him maybe a couple times in my life. The rest yep. of my siblings are full siblings. but I, So, I don't know for sure what his age is, but I do know that he's maybe mid to late 30s.
0: Okay. That's a rough
1: yep. estimate. Yeah. Couldn't be too sure. And then the youngest, um, he is 14. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, returning 14 this year. I'm not too sure. Nice, Sorry. Robin. There's a lot to keep track of. That's good. Hopefully, he's not that's good. listening to this. He'll be like, yeah, I don't remember my age.
0: <laughs> that's all right. By the time he hears this, he might be a different age anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. Shout out, youngest brother. Uh, <laughs> so let's get let's get going into your story. Where where do you start?
1: Um, it's a good question. Where are you from? Well, um, I'm born in Tauranga, um, so that's kind of where I identify my home as um but i grew up most of my life in patarudu which is in the south waikato of new zealand um yeah so that's where i you know sort of had my childhood but then i moved back to tauranga early last year and so lived there and really got some real like um long-term friends there and so i really just like identify with the people there and so i would say that tauranga is my home okay yeah
0: Mm. all right so wonderful laura here where are you from
1: yeah. yeah, Same place. Good old Tauranga. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's yeah.
0: Nice. All right. So yeah, you brought you're brought up in well, been living in Tauranga for a little while. So um, what's how, how did you get to know God? Where did where did you hmm. where did God come into your life?
1: So um, I was saved last year, March, but I think. You know, God was in my life before that, mm. before I really accepted him and actually believed in him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'd say maybe like a year before that, maybe a bit more than a year, I had known of God. Um, so that was when I was living at home. Um, so none of the rest of my family are Christian as of this moment. Um, so, you know, I would never really, I didn't grow up with any of that influence or like mm. had, I never had any idea of what God was actually like.
0: Do they have a form of? Some other religion or are they just Um sort I would of-
1: say yes of a sort. Mainly my parents, my, my siblings are sort of just, you know, doing their own thing, you know, mm-hmm. just living the mm. the life without without spirituality. Um but my parents I think so, yeah. But um like I wouldn't I don't think it really has much Christian values. Um yeah, so I didn't really grow up around that necessarily, but mm. Definitely, like, the spiritual elements had a huge effect on me as a kid. Like, um, yeah, I was just very aware of what was going on spiritually, Mm. especially in my household. But I was just never aware of the fact that there was, like, a good side to it. So I was, like, yeah, just really aware of, um, for example, I always had this thing about the dark. Like, I was always terrified of the dark and I would cry every night before I went to sleep because I would close my eyes and I would see things. And so, um, yeah, I was just really aware of those spiritual stuff, but I just didn't like consider it to be abnormal to be aware of that. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, when I grew up a little bit, I was like, oh, that's actually not a normal thing to experience as a kid. Mm. And I think like to some extent after becoming a Christian, I sort of realized that like most of those, most of those things that I was experiencing was because there was an open door, Mm. um, spiritually in, in that household, in the family. Mm. And so, yeah, um sort of went off off track a little bit there but
0: (laughs) yeah no that's all good yeah so how did you end up you know enticing after the lord Mm. or or him enticing you i suppose pushing you towards him i
1: think like came came down eventually to to desperation um i'd really just come to a point in my life well it was kind of gradual you know like maybe it started when i was like eight years old and Went on to, I was, you know, my late teenage years. Um, How old are you now? I'm eighteen. Eighteen, yeah. Yep. So I was saved when I was seventeen. So yeah, I was like experiencing really heavy um, mental health issues um, that started when I was really young. So I didn't realize that it was coming on because it was during my like years of my actual brain developing, you know. So it was yeah, it was so yeah. like it, it was quite heavy, obviously, for a kid to experience. Mm what um,
0: um, what specifically, if you don't mind me asking
1: No worries um depression and anxiety severe for both mm-hmm. um and but I think the thing is like I believe that, like with mental health problems, you can split them off into you know labels and stuff, but generally it comes down to one thing like there's there's one problem, you know, and mm-hmm. so it it, you know for me it was it was trauma as well as you know, I think as well, like there is some sort of, um, what's the word genetic genetics going on in my family that sort of encourage it, <laughs> mm-hmm. which I think is partly spiritual as well. But, um, yeah, as I just, in like
0: a family curse almost of, yeah, of well, that's mental what, health.
1: Yeah. That's how I heard it described in the, in the Christian world. But yeah, I just, I thought it was like genetics, but yeah, I'll get into that a little bit later, but, um, yeah, I, um, I lost my train of thought but <laughs> that happens a lot i'm so sorry <laughs> that's all right you mentioned right.
0: trauma what did, did was there an event that happened when you were growing up i mean yeah i i get it i got two older brothers and they traumatized me <laughs> was there something like that <laughs> i
1: think um it was a mix of a lot of things but i think in general um my family obviously having such a lot of family large family we grew up in a lot of poverty um so um just before i was born my parents were living in a bus and traveling around the country so we didn't really have a steady home to live in um uh, so yeah a lot of my siblings were born sort of in bizarre places my my sister was born on great barrier island just off the coast of auckland um (laughs) my brother was born in the middle of a flood oh wow Um, and so you know we're all kind of like you know, everywhere. But we settled down.
0: Did they call him Noah by any chance?
1: <laughs> um, No, but people used to call my dad Jesus. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah. Does we your dad sort of resemble Jesus? Does he have a he, big beard had, and long yeah, hair? Yeah, he had a big beard. Oh, I mean, it's a awesome. It's smaller now, but yeah, we were just known as that family, you know.
0: Lots of respect right there. If he ends up <laughs> listening to this, lots <laughs> yeah. of respect. Keep the beard. <laughs> He's still got it. I
1: think, I think I'd be quite scared if he, if he could. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, he threatened to one at one point and I was like, please don't <laughs> Actually it's funny tears. you say that.
0: I've got a I've got a beard and um my wife here had never seen my face for what was it like five <laughs> years of our marriage or
1: something? It was a while. <laughs> it was a long,
0: long time and um yeah, I think she's only seen it once. Maybe. Once or oh. twice. Yeah, every yeah. now
1: and then you get sick <laughs> of the beard and shave it all off and so it's, it's a bit of a shock. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: I feel like my chin disappears. Like
1: yeah.
0: whole half of my face is just like chopped off.
1: Yeah. And
0: that's what it looks like in photos. <laughs> it's An extra white. Like, I got to keep it now.
1: I think it's funny because my dad, I think he has a, quite a big chin. Like in photos of I've, that I've seen of him when he was younger, he has quite a, like a broad chin with like a, um, a cleft chin. Oh yeah. And so I just cannot imagine him without a beard because <laughs> like there's something going on underneath there. I don't know what, but I don't want to see it. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I was just, um, obviously growing up in a lot of poverty, kind of, you can't help but have some trauma from that. Um, but I think still, um, would probably be one of the most impoverished families that, um, I know of, um, in New Zealand at least. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was really hard. Like there were were times where, you know, we didn't have food or, um, when we did settle down into a house, we had a house fire in our kitchen and that was just like you know detrimental like you mm. know because we couldn't yeah. recover from that financially we, we didn't, i don't think we had any sort of support from the government or anything like that mm. and so you know that like took out the electrical side of the house and so we didn't have we didn't have electricity running in the house for for a number of years mm. wow. to use candles to to read and, wow. and all that sort of stuff really um what yeah. about the winters in the winters it would get cold but it we had just we cold. had yeah we had fireplaces but really you know it was only in a couple of rooms in the house and so it it would get cold but um yeah I don't know we, we lived yeah. <laughs> and honestly we like, survived yeah and well i i wouldn't trade it though cuz i think like with all the bad and obviously you know there there was a lot of bad you know the trauma and, and the mental health and you know still recovering from some of that but I think there's something so special about how I grew up Mm. and I wouldn't want to, you know, I wouldn't want to trade that away because it's like a bond I have with my family as well. Mm. Like it's so, so important to, to value. Um, And I think as well um, in really bad experiences, you're given like a different type of joy, you know, like Mm. the joy that you experience is something so special because it's, it's in contrast to that pain Mm. that you're experiencing. And, And so that's kind of what I learned from that was that like, yeah, like, you know, there are times where I was like, I wish I didn't go through all of that. Like, I mm. wish it didn't happen like that. But, you know, thinking about, you know, the special times I had with my family, I'm like, I you know, I don't think that many people get to experience times like that. Mm. And so I can't not be grateful for what I had mm. in some sort of way, you know? Yeah. Uh, so um, you were traveling around a lot for a time where... Did did you get pulled in and out of schools as well, or was that? Kind of- um, so we did correspondence school, oh, yeah. which in, in New Zealand is like um, online school essentially. Yeah. But before it was online, we got sent like um, school books that we would fill out, and we had teachers who mostly lived in Wellington, so we would call them, and that was kind of how we how we did things. Um, we did when we did settle down, we still kept on with that mainly because the school in that town was you know one of the worst mm-hmm. schools I think in the country. Not entirely sure of that, but I, I I definitely know it was it was quite a bad school, especially from the stories that I heard growing up and stuff. I was like, I'm kind of glad I'm not there, you know. Yeah. Mm. So um, it was quite hard, honestly. Like being homeschooled, um, because you obviously don't have that like immediate connection mm. with mm. people and like with kids who grow up in public schools or you know, just schools in general. They you know have that socialization, you know, yeah. like they they, they yeah. get that chance to to develop those skills, and so, um
0: and with the sports teams and things like that, sometimes they're associated with the mm-hmm. schools. Mm-hmm. You know, like I went to Wakatipu High School, but mm. I, I think they had, actually, to be fair, I never played any team sports, but I think <laughs> they had, um like, Wakatipu High School basketball, you know? Mm. And yeah. it was just, like, that school. There's only one school where where I came from, for high school anyway. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I can imagine that would be mm-hmm. one of the... Potential cons. Um, yeah. I'm sure you could get into those, um, but it would just be more difficult. Like you mm-hmm. said, everybody else has already got the established friendships. Yeah. Yeah. You're always Definitely. coming in as a bit of an outsider. Yeah, 100%. Um, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. To be fair, your family would be quite um, intimidating as well. Like, just imagine <laughs> yeah, meeting a so. whole tribe of people all related <laughs> to each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty yeah. amazing.
1: Yeah, we were a little bit intimidating. But I think we were definitely more intimidated by by other people than they were of us, um, because we quite kind of always saw them as like the outside world, you know. Yeah. And it was, you know, it's a bit odd to say it like that, but you know, that's how it was. Like we didn't we didn't really understand how other people worked because you know we're so sort of wrapped up in our own little family that we just know how our, each other's brain works, and we don't think that mm. people could be that different or at least mm. that's my experience i can't speak for the rest of my f- family but definitely my experience was like i really struggled to understand people for a while i was like mm. oh these people are so different from me yeah and yeah. in, in so many ways and in there words like i did have a few friends growing up but it was never never close because obviously um yeah when i um settled when we settled down in patarudu um we were quite an outcasted family like we you know i think
0: just in the community,
1: yeah, and I f- yeah, I think in the community because we we were just we just looked so different from what they were used to, and, and we sounded so different, and we just were different. You know, we just came in our bus and mm. piled kids out, and you know, we we talked differently, and you know, we just we were we were different. We didn't go to school, and and so you know, I think you know, especially kids in the community were like, these are the this is the weird family, you know. Yeah. And I think that's fair. I can't I can't blame people for thinking that because. You know, that's probably what I would think if I Mm. if I saw that on the street now. But um, yeah, I think that definitely had an effect on me mentally growing up. It was like, Mm. oh yeah, like we're we're completely different from everyone. We're not normal. Mm. And yeah, it just it 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 kind of stuck with me Mm. that we always had something wrong with us, which I think was a really like obviously a really ungodly way to way to think. But I mean, that's how we that's how we grew up. It's amazing
0: because if if I met. A family. They came out of a bus, and there was like fifteen people that rocked out of the bus. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd almost think it's a school trip to be fair. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, if you found out they were one family, I would be immensely intrigued mm-hmm. to ask you guys all the questions about you know how you do your lifestyle, mm-hmm. and you know you guys must all work together, and mm-hmm. sort of like your whole ability to work as one unit would be. Way better than any family, any company, anything like that. Would mm. that be about right? Well, that's what I would assume from the yeah. outside.
1: Well, I think, I mean, I obviously because I'm on the younger side of the family, I didn't, I didn't experience a lot of that, mm. that lifestyle. I sort of grew up in a house, mm. you know, grew oh, okay. up in the same place. I, I have very, very few like snippet memories of of when we were living in, in the bus, but. Um,
0: Mm -hmm. But obviously
1: I grew up with stories about, you know, that, that life. And and so I have a sort of grasp of it.
0: So how long were Uh, you guys in the the bus up until which age? I
1: couldn't say like for sure, but uh, it must've been around 12 to 15 years, something like that. Yeah. It was a long time. Um, And you know, it wasn't just in a bus specifically and you know, there were times they were living on great barrier island i think for a couple of years mm, yeah. so there was times where they settled down and and places but it, it, it was essentially like a gypsy lifestyle yeah you know you know caravans and we had like a couple of vehicles that would sort of drive around and uh, mm. and we had like dogs and and you know the whole deal so yep. it, it, yeah it was a bit like a gypsy lifestyle
0: okay so let's just paint the picture here for <laughs> for anybody listening Got Rosie, who is got loads and loads of siblings. <laughs> um, did you ever feel like you you were left out a little bit in the the busyness of having that many siblings?
1: I think I think there was always sort of a a battle for attention, you know. Cause oh yeah, there was only so much of it to go around. I've yeah. she got
0: asked, "us Who's the favourite?
1: I don't think there was a. <laughs> at- oh, actually, <laughs> I can't name them. But it was definitely a favorite. <laughs> or a couple favorites. But I right. think, you know, our parents love us equally. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I was just kidding. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so you grew up, you, you guys actually settled down, was it in Tauranga or just outside?
1: Um, we settled down in Bataru. Bataru. South Waikato, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. Alright, is that where your family is still now residing? Yeah,
1: Um, so a lot of the older ones have left out. I'm sorry, left home. Um, I was the last one to leave home um, so far, so I've got three siblings at home still, and then the rest are, you know, sort of in Tauranga and Hamilton and Auckland and...
0: Probably all over. Yeah. Very cool.
1: Yeah, so...
0: right, and you... At which point did you start to have... Was there somebody that you met that had, they um, had Christ. and
1: I, I did know one person who was a Christian when I was living at home. Um, and this was at a point where I was, you know, sort of deteriorating <laughs> mentally. And so I think they wanted to help, but there was definitely, you know, like some mis- misguided information com- coming towards me. Like I didn't fully understand <clears throat> because the information that they were giving me wasn't entirely sound. Um, this was the
0: Christian person giving you information mm-hmm. yeah, about so this Christianity?
1: Is like, yeah, about Christianity. Yeah. Um, And so they wanted to be me, me to be a Christian. Mm. But I was kind of like, you know, on the outside, I think I was like, oh, yeah, like, that's cool. That's interesting. But on the inside, I was like, I, I literally don't care about this. Like, mm. this is just, I kind of had the perspective, which I think a lot of young people have, is that um, it's just an easy way out type of mindset to be a christian it's like oh like i don't want to deal with you know the idea that i'm gonna die someday so i'm gonna pretend that there's something afterwards so i can have peace you know Mm, um but so that's the kind of mindset i had so you know while they were saying all the all these things i was just like whatever (laughs) you know like i I, my heart was just not in it there was times where they would talk about it for a while and i would just i distinctly remember just shutting off my brain like just not listening to a thing they said Mm. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of, I guess where it started because, you know, God definitely worked through that in interesting ways. Um, but yeah, I kind of fell away. Oh, I guess I I wanted to believe it to, to some extent because I was like, well, if I, if that was true, you know, things mm. would be great. Mm. But I was just like, well, I just can't believe that that's true. It just seems so just crazy to even alter my mind like that like it doesn't seem i just couldn't believe it Mm. It didn't work for me
0: it's really Um, interesting you say that because i mm. found it's uh sometimes that people in the world would rather not think that christianity is true not because of the hope of christ or the hope Mm. of heaven or anything like that it's because they nobody at all wants to think about death Mm -hmm. it's something that's that's yeah, absolutely. Put in the the too hard basket, mm-hmm. even though it's a it's a reality we all have to face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's where Christians look really weird because it's one of the only things they talk about. And yeah, you're right, and, it's yeah. The, and
1: there's so much hope in it for us. There's so yeah. much hope in it,
0: yeah. and everybody else never wants to talk about it because yeah. it's there's no hope. Yeah, it's, a, it's a horrible, horrible thought because mm-hmm. everyone's going to die. Mm-hmm. that's a fact.
1: Yeah yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Statistically, the longer you live, the more likely you're going to die. <laughs> the more, what is it? Gosh. What is it the, oh, no. I heard this funny guy at a birthday say, you know, statistically, the more birthdays you have, the longer you live. <laughs> it's like, okay. Gosh, it means wrong. <laughs> he said it's a healthy thing to do, have birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Um, all right, so did this person that you had met, even though they might have been trained to, yeah. you know, bring Christianity across in a good light and mm-hmm. it might have backfired a little bit, mm-hmm. did that plant any seeds in your heart?
1: I think so, yeah. I think, you know, like when I look back of, on it, like the way I think about it is that God kind of found me in a really difficult situation. And I was surrounding Mm. myself with people I should not have been surrounding myself with. And so I see it like even to be a miracle that there was someone there who was a Christian who could give me, you know, something Mm. (laughs) like, even if it wasn't much, it was still something. Mm. And so I still, I still, I still see it as like God, you know, finding me. Um, But yeah, I definitely wasn't, I wasn't following God. Um, Mm. You know, there were times that I was, you know, lying to him about, praying or you know you know lying to to people about about you know being being in prayer or or like stuff just because I wanted to get them off my back I was just like I just don't you know because they were quite quite like forceful and Mm. I think that was one of the things that kind of pushed me away a bit Mm. I was like you know because not growing up with a lot of friends I wanted to to keep those that I had yeah, and mm. so I was like, "Well, I don't want to stop being friends with this person, but they're really pressuring me." Mm. And so there were times where I would I would lie about doing things so that they would stop pestering me about mm. to do them. Um, which you know, I think that's the first time I've said that, but <laughs> that's yeah. the truth. Um, but yeah, and so that was kind of my experience with it, with God, um, and I never really I didn't hear God's voice, not that I can remember anyway. I think God speaks always, but. Um, I don't remember hearing God's voice or really, you know, connecting with God in any way during that time. Um, but, um, throughout that, you know, those that year and a bit, I was like really wanting to leave home because <clears throat> I really saw it as like the source of all my problems. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, this is, this is what the problem is. This is why I'm depressed. This is why I'm anxious. This is, you know. If I leave home, then I can get myself sorted and things will be better. Mm. And, you know, at this point, I think it was December 2020. That's when things started to get really, really bad, like mental health wise. And I think that was around that time or a bit earlier on in the year, that was the first time I had like a suicidal thought. Um, And I kind of like pushed it away. I was like, well, you know, I'm not actually planning anything right so it doesn't count but Mm. it was like that just complete hopelessness which i believe is you know that's that's a huge warning sign because that was something i was like well i don't know how i'm going to keep doing this like this is too hard for me
0: so how did you deal with that
1: i didn't you didn't (laughs) i i um i don't think yeah i didn't really grow up knowing how to deal with anything Mm. like if i had you know anger if i was really sad i would i would just you know, I just didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't, how to, I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. And I think that was part of why I started to shut down when I was older. And I think looking back, like, I really see depression as a blessing. It sounds really weird to say, but, you know, I think the things that I was dealing and the things that I was handling when I was a kid were, were so overwhelming. Um, and I, I wasn't dealing with them. And mm-hmm. so, it, you know, it came to this point where I was like, numbing out what I was feeling was the only way I could actually keep going. Mm. Um, and I remember, you know, like being eight years old and starting to realize that this was happening, but not really like knowing why it was happening. Mm. And so, yeah, I just always thought it was, I always thought it was like, that was growing up. Like when you grew up, you just, you just lost all your joy. You just lost, you know, the life, like the color in your life. I Mm. thought that that's what happened. Um, and yeah, I remember maybe when I was like fifteen, I started I was like starting to realise that what I was experiencing maybe wasn't normal because um I don't know if you guys are familiar with the term derealization or depersonalization. No. Um it's an effect of depression essentially, but it can also be apart from depression. But um <clears throat> essentially it's like derealization is when you're like disconnected from reality. And it's I find it quite difficult to difficult to explain it really well to people who haven't experienced it because it's quite a specific thing. Mm-hmm. But the best way I can explain it is like you feel like your body's just on autopilot, like you're not actually in control of anything you're doing. Um and I remember at one point I went to my parents and I was like, I feel like I can't see. Like I feel like what I'm seeing in front of me is there, but it's not there. Like it's feels two dimensional. And you know, they didn't really understand, and so I was like, "Well, it must not be real because you know my mm-hmm. parents don't understand." Um. So yeah, um, yeah, I just was starting to realize that what I was experiencing wasn't normal, <laughs> and so I. I remember looking it up. I was like, "What? What is this thing I'm experiencing? Like, yeah. why? Why is this happening to me?" Because I was just so disconnected, and I think there was like a whole—I would say probably up to a year of my life that I. Fully can't remember because of it, because it was so heavy. Wow. Um, mm. And that was basically, like, the inner effects of depression coming becoming external. That's mm. kind of how I view it. Like, it, it became so severe that what I was experiencing on the inside was affecting my vision, you know? That was, mm. it was quite heavy. Um, but I remember looking it up and finding someone explain exactly what I was experiencing for the first time and um i was just like had this massive panic attack (laughs) like felt like my heart was like gonna stop because i was just panicking because i was like i was like this is real and this isn't normal but at that point obviously i had no hope of it getting better because nothing on the internet nothing i could Mm. find was saying that there's a cure for this Mm, yeah and um, like even like medication it was like you know maybe it would work like in most cases, it doesn't. And so I was like, well, where's, where's the hope? Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, you can imagine, like, a 15-year-old just seeing that. And it's just like, this mm. is my life now. This is what I have to live through. Um, and so, yeah, just, like, pretty severe an- anxiety as well as that. But I think that's when I started to realize just, like, the hopelessness of it. Um, because I think when you're a kid, it's easy to have hope. I think that's, mm. yeah, you know, even even in really dark situations. But I think once you become a teenager, I think, as well as the fact that I was, you know, going through a lot of changes. Yeah, <clears throat> um, yeah, I just started to realize that, it, you know, I felt really hopeless about it. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to leave home because I was like, if I get out of here, things will get better. You know? Yeah. Did you have any idea of where to go or just anywhere? Well, at first it was just anywhere, but I think I wanted to stay with my sister um, who had left home and went and she lived in, in Tauranga. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I had, a, you know, we went through a huge time of trying to figure out how I was going to do it because at the time it just seemed impossible. I was like, it just doesn't seem possible that I could leave home. It just it felt like it felt like a black hole, you know, and I was just like sitting in it just like could, too hard to yeah, just never I could never get out of it because ah. I felt like it was a representation of my mental health mm. I think like that's kind of how I was viewing it I was like I'm never getting out of this feeling and I'm never getting out of that place and you were just 17 at this time or was it 16, 17? Um, yeah I was 17 yeah um and but but actually you know my, when I talked to my parents about it they were actually okay with it at that point which was really surprising but um and so I left home I think late December, early January of last year. And so, yeah. And then after that, I. There was. There's actually one experience that I wanted to talk about, um, which was um, New Year's last year. Um, I was, you know, um, on a camping trip with my sister and her family. And um, yeah, we. So it's
0: 2020 to 2021? Yeah
1: yeah okay. and so at this point i wasn't i wasn't um really a christian um i didn't really know god or, or any of that and this was kind of like the worst point of my mental health and i had been talking to my sister about it a little bit just like how bad it felt and you know she she relates to quite a lot of it as most of my family do because i think you know like i mentioned it, it i believe it is somewhat generational um and so you know it was like that first time of actually ex- externally processing a lot of the things that were happening to me and, and the things I was experiencing. Um, so I had like, there was a lead up to this point of just me being hopeless and me being, you know, just not seeing any light in anything. And, um, also as well, I just wanted to mention that I did, um, I was drinking and smoking, uh, marijuana from 15, but it wasn't, it wasn't heavily, Um, from either but you know it did have an effect on my mental health um as i you know i think an effect in a negative way yeah yeah well i think i don't think it was helpful um but there was like an insight i think somewhat because when i smoked marijuana i felt like there was something really wrong that was my first experience when i smoked it i was like Something's really, really, really off mm. with everything with my existence. It just felt so wrong, and that was like I think, I think the first time that I smoked it when I was fifteen. That was when I became like hyper aware of that feeling. Mm. I was like, oh, it's actually there. You know, there is something wrong, um, mm. because I think before I was kind of ignoring it or just thinking it was normal. Somewhat, yeah.
0: or hadn't noticed it properly.
1: Yeah, mm. but I mean, I did know it was there, but I think didn't acknowledge it. Yeah, and so once I acknowledged it, it, it progressively got worse because I, yeah. it, it, when you acknowledge something, it starts to come up more. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, I had gotten to a really bad point and um, I was saying things like, you know, like I just – can't find a reason to live like i can't see any any reason at all i can't see any good in this world i can't see any good in my life and
0: and were you sharing these thoughts or feelings with anybody around you i I
1: was sharing it with my sister yeah pretty much just my sister um yeah and and she you know she understood a lot of it and i think in some ways it was good and in some ways it was like we were bouncing off of each other because we both felt the same way Mm. and so in some ways it was helpful and in some ways it was sort of unhelpful because i was like i'm not you know, getting a perspective of goodness, mm. you know, yeah. she, I think she tried because she didn't want me to see that, see, like to see me that way, but mm. you know, feeling the same way, it's, it's hard to give hope when you don't have hope, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that night on New Year's um, I smoked, that was the last time I smoked and um, it was also one of the first times I smoked for like maybe like six months or something. So it was, you know, it hit, hit me really hard and, um, <clears throat> I, I took quite a lot as well, which is probably one of the reasons, but I felt this sort of anxiety building up and I realized that I was going to have a panic attack, but it was like not, how do I explain this? It it wasn't like a panic attacks that I had before where it was like my, it wasn't like a physical panic attack. It was like an, an emotional one, you know, like I felt like everything was just suddenly just like, I was like, this is it. Like, I'm just tired of this. Like I can't do it anymore. It's just way too much. And I remember just like I was laughing one second and then suddenly it was just like breaking down. And I just like was just crying on the ground. I was like, I can't take this anymore. And um, my sister obviously was like, well, what's wrong? Like, what's going on? Like, why is this suddenly like happening? Mm. And I was just like, I can't do it. Like, I can't like this is just pointless. Like life is just pointless, you know. And I remember like sitting there. Um, It was like 12 o'clock. <laughs> it just hit hit the new year. And I remember looking off into the, the trees in the distance and I was like, you know, those trees are there, but they're not there. You know, like they it's just, it's just a picture
0: mm. and
1: I can't interact with it. I can't feel from it. I'm not like experiencing it there. And, and I was like, I, I have to be here. Like I have to be in this life, but I can't experience the goodness of it. If that made sense. And I remember feeling really specifically, I felt like there was like a chain on my heart and it was just pulling me down with the world. And I felt like I was just falling into this black hole. I just could not get out of. And it felt like my whole life was just crumbling in on me. And it was just like, this is it. You know, this, this is the moment where it just, you know, it just ends because I couldn't see a point. And, um, my sister was like, she told me that she understood and she was like, I think you've got depression. <laughs> and you know, at that point I, I sort of knew that I had depression, but I, I always thought the depression was something worse than what I was experiencing because people were always like, don't, don't say that you have depression if you don't know what depression is like. So I was kind of like, okay, I'll just stay away from that then. Mm-hmm. You know, like I didn't want to acknowledge it. But when yeah. she said that, I was like, Oh, like this is real. Like I can't disregard this anymore. I can't belittle it anymore. Cause that's what yeah. I was doing. I was like, Oh, I, I'm fine. Like I don't, I don't have depression. Like I'm not, I'm not suffering. I'm okay. It was just in that complete place of, denial. And so when she said that I, it just something just sort of cracked in me and I was just like completely just done for. <laughs> um but my sister was like you need to get some help. Like you need to do something because like you're scaring me. Like the things you're saying are terrifying me. I don't think she's worth terrifying. But she said that I was scaring her um and and so I think I've always been sort of a push through type of person mm-hmm. and so I was like well you know, I might as well try, <laughs> you know, like I might as well try. Yeah. And so I went to the doctor and I told them like maybe a couple minutes of what I was experiencing. they're like, okay, you have depression, anxiety pretty severely. And, um, they like went through some steps of like, oh, like, you know, is it your lifestyle? Does your lifestyle need changing? Um, like, you know, what are you doing? And at that point I had started going to, um, like I dropped out of school cause I just was not you know, with mental health that bad, like I, there was definitely a point in, when I was younger where I couldn't even leave my room Like for, mm. for weeks. I just didn't get out of my room and I would sit in the dark and I would just, you know, on my phone, on my laptop, like just not, not interacting with the world. <laughs> and so that's, you know, sort of a visual of how bad it got. Um, but I was like, okay, well, I want to, I want to try. So I um, applied for this like catch up um, course at a at, um, university, which I did um and you know i was like trying to like pull it together so i went to the doctor and i got medication and i started going on that and you know that kind of for me it didn't help i know that definitely it helps some people hugely and, you know for some people it's it's a miracle but for mm-hmm. me it didn't help um and at that point i was starting to have like panic attacks or not panic attacks anxiety attacks because they weren't quite as severe as a panic attack but i was having anxiety attacks every day consistently And this was on Um, the
2: medication as well?
1: Yeah, this was on the medication. Um, And, yeah, and so I I had also decided that I was going to go to church. That was one of the things that I tried to, you know, I decided that I was going to do. So I Googled the closest church to where I was staying and and then I went there. I think I bussed there or walked there. I can't remember, actually, if I – I can't remember, but – um, I didn't know anyone there, and I just sort of walked in and, you know, <laughs> walked out, but I think, you know, I, the worship there, um, like I didn't understand it at the time, but it was definitely like God speaking to me, because like what I felt was like this, I felt like I was being like bared open, like I felt mm. like my soul was just like there, and it, it really hurt, like it didn't feel good at all, it didn't feel like peace, it didn't feel like you know, I didn't feel good, but what I did feel was something like I felt emotion, you know, I felt Mm. like pain and I cried, you know, I cried during the worship. Um, And it was like a really, really vulnerable experience for me. And then I got up and I I left (laughs) and um, I went back the next week and, you know, I didn't talk to anyone, but at the end of the service, I, for some reason I felt like I had the courage to go and ask for prayer and I don't know where I got that courage from because, you know, I didn't, you know, mm. I, I don't know where it came from. And I think, I think it was the Lord, honestly. I think he, he prompted me to go up there. Mm. Um, and I asked for prayer and they were like, oh, do you like prayer for? And I was like, I have depression. I could barely get the words out though. Like I was like choking on them as I said them. Because I, I felt like, even though I told my sister, it felt like the first time I was saying it. Mm. You know, I felt like mm. suddenly, like, that that was real, you know? Yeah. Um, and they prayed for me. I don't remember exactly what they prayed for, but they were treating it, like, very seriously, you know? Like, I felt like they just... Like, the way I felt was, like, the church kind of, like, picked me up and, like, I was really delicate. Mm. Um, um, and I was, like, so, so, like, hurt and broken at this time because I just felt like... You know, like everyone else had something, and I didn't have that thing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, I didn't have, like, it was kind of like this "why me" attitude. Like, why did I have this life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why did, was I cursed to grow up like? Because it, and I'd always sort of ho- had that thought as a kid. Like, it, it just, it, it felt like a cruel, cruel like chance. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt like, man, like I could have been born any other way. Mm. any other person and it would have been better than this and i know that's not necessarily true but you know me as a kid that was how i saw it because you know the kids around me the kids i knew in in my town they were you know they to me they're all like blessed and we were just cursed and so i you know having that sort of idea in my mind i was like i'm never going to be free from this Mm. um but after they prayed someone else um came up who wasn't even praying for me now, but I think he, he sort of saw it and, you know, he got a word from the Lord and he saw a vision of me being carried on a stretcher and the stretcher was carried by six people. And I was like, cool. <laughs> you know, like what the heck? Like it was so weird. Like, cause I obviously I hadn't really been introduced to the idea of like getting visions. So I was like, okay, cool. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, but, you know, thinking like kind of half thinking this person was crazy, but I was like, mm, thank you. <laughs> um, but the pastor who prayed for me introduced him to me to, um, this girl who, or lady who was, um, running a home group. And, um, he was like, can I, can I tell her that, you know, like what you told me? And I was like, oh, sure. And he told her that I was depressed. And she was like, oh, like, you know, you, you can come to my home group. Like, you can totally like we're doing it tomorrow. Like you can just come along and you know meet people and we can support you and stuff. And I was like, you know, I for some reason I did it because I I don't think it would have been very in character for me to do it, but for some reason I did do it. Yeah, and I went and
0: um, was well, this a bit different because you had always felt like an outsider that nobody wanted you outside of your family, like that you're outcasts, mm-hmm. and then going to church and this lady just going, come along, just, just <laughs> yeah. come arms open yeah. wide.
1: Yeah. I think it was um, actually quite a, like an emotional experience because she was like so eager to love me mm. and mm. You know, she's still very like precious to me. She's a very, very beautiful person, but she was just so eager and like so ready to love me the first mm. time that she saw me Yeah, uh, you know, that was quite, yeah, like you said, a new experience. Um all of those people in my home group as well, like they were they were very, very eager to love me.
0: Did you want to say a special thanks to any of them if <laughs> they end up listening to this?
1: Um yeah, actually a lot of them went on to do a DTS with me and so they're some um my closest friends. Um, very cool. Yeah. They're they're amazing people and I'm very grateful for them. Hmm. Um but yeah, so I I went there and I was kind of like they can testify to this. Like I was, I was just sort of sitting in the corner of the couch where no one could sit next to me mm. <laughs> and sort of huddle into myself. And I remember just staring at the floor and that was the only thing I'd look at. I wouldn't look people in the eyes or anything like that. I would just stare at the floor yeah. and think like, you yeah, know, this is going to be like over soon essentially. And mm. I would be like so jittery that like if someone would ask me a question because I'd be like doing Bible studies and stuff, I would just like <laughs> sort of freak out a little bit or like, panic you know it was like always the most like it was like a peak of my anxiety mm. It was like they're gonna ask me a question um and also like as well like i mentioned that we kind of grew up in a secluded family like and we didn't go to school so i didn't have very good social skills at all like that's mm. not something i'd really developed outside of my family mm. yeah and so i was like hyper aware of that and i always like thought like you know that was something wrong with me as well like i was never gonna be normal because you know, it's just the way I grew up and I'm never, I'm never ever going to fit in. Mm. Um, and you know, my social skills was like a huge show of that. And so I was really like, really self conscious, um, of the way I spoke and, and, and everything. I was just like, this is just like, I'm so different and so weird and all the stuff. Um, so yeah, I just kind of saw everyone around me as if they were better than me, like way above me in every way. Mm. And I, you know that to me that was truth. Like it wasn't just something I was like half believing. That was like ultimate truth, and because that was just how I thought growing up. It was Just like everyone's better than me. Everyone's smarter than me. They they know how to live life, and I don't know how to live life. So, mm. um, but those people were so so like graceful with me and, and gentle with me. Um, and so a few weeks later, you know, a few weeks of can't name exactly how many weeks, but a few weeks of of, of going. To this home group and sitting in the corner not saying anything <laughs> um and then this lady actually from ywam um came and she was sharing her testimony and talking about like women in the bible and stuff and she was just like amazing woman like she's just so so like passionate and like and and like what excited is her um her name was Beza. She's, Beza. Um, yeah she's um i think from Alaska?
0: Aza from Alaska.
1: I think so. I'm not exactly Mm, sure. I don't know her very well, but she was from YWAM. And yeah, so she was just sharing. And um, I remember just like looking at her. And in that moment, I just like thought like, because she just had so much like hope and and, like, her life was just so wonderful. And she was Mm. just talking about her, her relationship with God and like all of these things. And I was just like, it's just so like, I mean, this is quite a bad thought. Like, I was quite ashamed of it, but I was thinking, like, it's not like it's just not fair. Like, why does she get everything and I get nothing? Mm. And I was just, you know, sort of breaking down on the inside because I was just again that thing coming back of like, like I'm just cursed. Like, I'm just, it's just who I am. Like, I can't get, I can't get away from it. Mm. But I think while hearing her testimony, like something really, like I think the reason it really hit me was because she didn't grow up in an easy house household she didn't have an easy life and in a lot of ways like she was in some ways like me or you know had experienced some of the things that I experienced Mm. and so um you know it it just didn't make sense to me anymore I was just like why why (laughs) like I just didn't understand and um there was like a little response time after she shared and she was like um like you know just asking what we thought of what she was talking about and i was just crying i just started crying and because i just like couldn't hold it in anymore essentially and then she she was like asking me what was wrong and like you know i didn't understand because I, I don't think my home group at that time knew that i wasn't saved like that i wasn't you know actually a believer because i mm-hmm. never really said anything i didn't really open up to them yeah um but yeah and so they um well, she she like prayed for me. She was like, "Have you ever actually, have you ever actually been saved? Have, do you have a moment in mind when you were saved?" And I, I thought about it, and I was like, "No, I haven't actually." And then, um, yeah, I just felt like while she was praying for me, I just felt like this overwhelming feeling. I remember just like breathing really heavily, and just like, you know, like actually feeling the presence of God, and it felt like something that was a little bit out of reach but I wanted it so bad, if that makes sense. Like, it wasn't like this moment of suddenly everything coming together and, you know, Mm. complete healing, but it was was like this, you know, maybe this is real, like, sort of moment, you know? Mm. Um, And I think I was in a lot of denial when I had that moment, but looking back on it, I was like, that was, you know, God was so in that and he was speaking Mm. so much to me and he was right in front of me. Mm. but I think i just i just couldn't accept that there was hope because i would j- I had just been denying it for so long yeah um and so yeah, I remember walking out outside and got like a breath of fresh air afterwards, and I just like had this tiny sliver of hope, like this little like little mustard seed <laughs> <laughs> and like it wasn't it wasn't a lot, and I remember like it immediately like thinking about it, I was like, oh, like maybe there is hope, and then immediately like the thoughts came crashing down like absolutely mm. not like you know all of that just like piled over it <laughs> um but yeah and so i just you know i would immediately get trampled but you know the the fact was that i actually had experienced hope for yeah. the first time in you know i, I couldn't name how many years but mm. definitely since i was a kid um and so you know like after that it was it was things changed a lot <laughs> mm. so how what sort of things changed Well, um, I haven't had a panic attack since, since that night, since I got saved. So God healed that in me as well as like depression has, because it it used to be like all the time and I, I still experience it in small amounts, um, sometimes, which I think is normal. Um, but it, i think like since then I, I didn't fully realize that it was gone but now looking back on it i was like i actually think that was the moment that it sort of lifted off wow um as well as like after that i i started to get like my anxiety got a lot worse which was actually because i believe that the depression lifted off and it was like that numbness had gone away mm. and like with god i was actually able to deal with like those feelings um you know, of like fear and stuff, because I, you know, without any hope, like the fear will just completely mm. consume you. Like it's yeah. just you can't get away from it. Mm. And so, you know, like that's why again I said that depression was actually a blessing because you can't deal with with a fear that consumes you that much. Mm. And so, yeah. Um,
0: when you were talking earlier about um, how you left that Bible study and you had that little bit of hope. Mm and then you felt that it was gone mm. um afterwards mm. like taken from you mm-hmm. it sort of the the parable of the sower came to mind you've probably been told this before but i thought you know it'd be good maybe to re- I'll read it out for the listeners um to see that this is an example today from what jesus was talking about 2000 years ago mm-hmm. um and he says it's in uh, Matthew 13, uh, no, Matthew, yeah, Matthew 13, and he um, says that same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such such a large crowd gathered around him and he got into the boat and sat, and while the people stood there on the shore, he told them, you know, by the way, that's really interesting how he's on a boat on the sh- like just hanging off the shore from all these people that he's teaching, because mm. we all know that Jesus doesn't need a boat. He could be standing <laughs> on that water. Um, then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he scattered the seed, some fell, fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell, fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, it sprang up quickly, but the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, and they grew up and they choked the plants. Other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop of a hundred, sixty, or thirty, which was so on. Whoever hears them, let them hear. When Jesus came to him and asked, Why do you speak to these people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has been given more, they will have abundance, and whoever does not have, they will will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. So, and then later on he talks about what he means by the parable, if I skip down to verse eighteen, it says Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When everyone hears when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it the evil and does not understand it the evil one comes and snatches it away with what has been sown in their heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word And at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. And then one trouble or persecution comes from the word, and they fall away quickly. The seed falling among the thorns refers to the one who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the the deceitful of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it, This is one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So it's interesting hearing what your experience, not saying that that was not good soil, Mm -hmm. but at the time you were on a rocky road Mm -hmm. where you were currently standing was not fully ready to, I suppose, take root in your life. Mm -hmm. Would that be accurate?
1: I think partly, yeah. I think yeah I definitely didn't understand how to like hear god's voice and on all, and all of that stuff so i you know i didn't even after after that you know i I was still disobeying God hugely and so you know there there was definitely i i definitely was on rocky ground, but I think you know I still regard that as the moment that that mm-hmm. everything changed for sure um but it it still took me a while you know and i'm I'm really grateful for the people who sort of stuck with me you mm-hmm. know because I think sometimes people just assume that or, you know, I've, I've heard people assume that, you know, once you've saved, it's just like everything's solved, you know, like you, mm-hmm. you've been saved from depression and anxiety, you know, like that's over now. You don't have to think about that anymore, but it was still very much real for me. And so, yeah. mm. um, and in some ways, it, like I said, it got worse because the depression was lifted off, which mm. was like the covering. Um, and so, um, yeah, I was just living in a lot of fear. Um, and there was a lot of times where I doubted God cause I, even though like depression and stuff had lifted off, I hadn't really recognized that yet, and I was still you know in a lot of emotional um, pain. So I, you know, a lot of the time like blamed God for that. You know, knowing He was real at this point, I was like, well,
0: yeah. Why did you make yeah, me like this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I
1: was like, well, if you were real, then you know why 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 did all this stuff happen to me? And that's something I I did wrestle with um, a little bit, um, <clears throat> as well as the fact I wasn't really sure that I was going to be healed you know, mm. from, from anxiety. And it was something I was living with every single day. I, I felt like spiky, you know, mm. I felt like everything was spiky and everything was scary. Um, and so I had to come to this point where I had to decide whether I was going to follow God or not, mm. yeah. um, if he wasn't going to heal me, because, you know, I think that was something that I had sort of half, that was my hope in God you know, mm. that he was going to heal me. Yeah. But after recognizing that God was real and knowing that God was real, God was like, okay, you know that I'm real. What what are you choosing? Mm. Like, Are you choosing what I can give you, you or are you choosing me? And so mm-hmm. he didn't give me healing for anxiety right away. And it's it definitely a journey I'm still on. And there has been huge healings for that, but it, it was that moment of being like, actually, I've got to choose God, not what he can do. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so that was a huge moment for me, and it was a really hard thing, you know. It, it sort of took a while for me to get to that point mm. of, of that because, to me, like anxiety was like everything, and it was affecting everything. So I was like, "How can I live with this?" But you know, making that choice of following God either way, you know, was mm. just so powerful, and I think really glad that I that I chose that. Um, but yeah, it's just he's. He's just been so good in in that way and he just like his timing has just been so good. Mm. Mm.
0: So did was there any uh healing that God did bring yeah. in your life with depression and yeah. anxiety?
1: Yeah, so um I went on a few months after getting saved to do a DTS at YWAM. Which,
0: which is, is an acronym, another YWAM yes, acronym sorry, by the way acronym uh, discipleship Um, training school. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's a five month course. And, um, I think three months of two months of lectures on just who God is and, you know, and, and just, you know, things that give you a foundation, which is exactly what I needed. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I went into that being the person that I was being spiky and, and I think it was just so much breakthrough and so many moments where I had healing and actually being able to process like, um, memories and, and thoughts and feelings that I'd experienced. Um, but specifically I remember, um, where I had chose, chosen against fear for the first time. And, um, there's something in psychology, it's called like brain pathways and they use it a lot for like depression because basically what depression is, is it's, um, narrowing the, the pathway to where, um, like dopamine can come through and Mm. it it narrows it so much that you don't really get that dopamine. So you don't get the happy feeling. Mm. And that's why it feels that feels like your color is being sucked out of your life is because you're not getting Mm. those, those chemicals Mm. um, in your brain. And so that's what um, medication is supposed to counteract is, is that um, and and it's supposed to like force open that brain pathway. Sometimes Mm. it works and sometimes it doesn't. Um, that's very much the my version of explaining that. It's a lot more complicated than that, but that's how I understand it. But um, there was a moment um, where I was with my friends and I had started to feel the anxiety come on. And at this point, that was a pretty common thing. Like I would be having fun and then suddenly it just sort of slumped me and I would just shut off. And everyone would sort of notice it. It was like this black cloud around me. Well, it just started to, you know, eat up at me and I would just start to hear these things like really clearly, like hearing this fear in my mind and, you know, just telling me things and telling me I wasn't worthy and telling me that the people around me didn't love me and just these these horrible things and it would kind of consume me. Um, but I remember, I think we were parked in a Kmart parking lot <laughs> and um, I was just like, I think I, I told my friends, I was like, I'm, I'm not doing well, or at least I noticed and they were like, okay, we're going to pray for you. Um, and, um, as they were praying, they were like, we really feel like you should speak out something. And I was like, no, I can't, like, I couldn't do that. And I just started to feel like that anxiety, like I couldn't pray against it. I felt like I just didn't have the power to, but like, it started to eat me up because I was, I was saying yes to it. I was giving Mm -hmm. into it. And so Mm -hmm. it got worse and worse. And I came to this point where I just got like, you know, like this. I feel like this righteous anger from God, where I was just like, you know, I I don't want this thing controlling me anymore. Mm. I've had enough of it. Um, And so I prayed out against it for the first time for myself. And um, it didn't, like, the fear didn't go away. Like, it didn't disappear. But I suddenly felt like, I felt like I was lifted up, you know, above it. That I wasn't sitting Mm. in it anymore because I wasn't a part. Like it wasn't me. I wasn't identifying Mm. it with Mm. myself anymore. Yeah. And so it was just like this huge breakthrough, and um, relating it to the pathways thing. The reason it felt so so impossible for me to go against it, for me to choose against fear, was because that pathway had been closed off. Like I'd Mm. never chosen that before. It wasn't something that was open to me. Mm. Yeah. It was like choosing to walk through the bush rather than on the pathway that yeah. I p- paving for myself after years. Yeah. And so it was just un- – that w- that's why I felt like it was impossible. But the second I did it, I was like, this isn't impossible. Mm. This is something I could do. Yeah. And, you know, that was a huge revelation for me. It was something that completely changed my life because mm. I-, I had always thought that it was, you know, depression and anxiety was something that just happened to you and that you didn't really have a choice over. And, and in some ways, you know, you-, you don't necessarily have a choice how you feel. Mm. but you have a choice to what you do and what yeah. you choose mm. in those times of that feeling. And so, yeah, I, and after that, you know, I wasn't completely, like, healed from it. It would st- still come on, and there were a lot of times where I did choose fear mm. over, um, you know, over God. Um, but knowing that I had that choice and that's something I could actually do, and, mm. and I started to feel like my mind was opening up. Mm. I remember um, taking a walk with my sister on the beach, and I was just like, I feel like I, you know, like it just suddenly, like I have options now, like I have Mm. that pathway I can go down and, you know, it just, it's, it's just completely changed my life. Wow. It's it's really crazy. I I never thought of it.
0: So would you say that that main breakthrough was when you decided to pray with your mouth?
1: I think, yeah, it, 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 I think God had been prompting me a lot to do that, but yeah, it it was just that the fear would consume me so much and I was so feeling driven, you know, mm. like I I thought that if I didn't feel hope, then the hope wasn't there. Mm. You know, that's kind of how my mind worked. I was like feelings are everything and mm. and so that moment was actually, yeah, it, it it was to do with me standing up and actually taking what God was mm. offering me, but it was also sort of the realization that feelings weren't something that necessarily were controlling me or, you know, that, that had to control me. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Mm. He's saying, um, feelings are indicators, not dictators, right? Mm -hmm. So they can tell you things about, you know, yourself, but they don't dictate what you do. Yeah.
0: Yeah, They're not good or bad in themselves. They're tools. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think for, for fear though, I think because, you know, like there's general emotions that everyone deals with, but I think anxiety is kind of on a different, field you know because mm. I, I i sort of saw it as the enemy's voice mm-hmm. because the things that it was saying was exactly what the enemy would say yeah mm. and so it really like the way i see it i was being controlled by the enemy with depression mm. and anxiety that was something that the enemy had hold over me mm. um um but i, I mean i think it's, it's different for everyone i you know i couldn't that that isn't a generalization but for me it was it was the enemy speaking to me and so yeah
0: what's a practical step for people to take when they suffer a anxiety attack or a panic attack
1: um it's a good question (laughs) something i'm still figuring out but i think what generally helps for me is to um well i mean there's always breathing like if you're if you're in the middle of a panic attack you have to take those easy steps of, of just breathing and just trying to find something that will, that will calm you down because you know, that's to the extreme and mm. you know, something something that helps for me when I, when I feel like I'm, I'm getting there is, is like splashing my face with cold water and stuff. Cause it, when it, when it starts to become a physical thing, you kind of have to take it mm. how it is. Like you have to take it to a physical level. So mm-hmm. You know, if you're, if you're panicking and you're hyperventilating, you have to slow your breathing and you have to drink water and, you, you know, you, you do those things because it's at a physical level. But when it starts to come on, um, and I'm kind of on this journey now of recognizing when, when this dark cloud starts to sit over me, and um, I think for me, for me, it's the people. Like, I need people um, because, you know, from generally I, I would isolate myself because I'm like, I'm experiencing this thing, I need to experience it, and I need to go and hide, and I don't want people to see me like this, and I don't want to be... Because this, you know, it, I don't necessarily want to identify with this part of myself, but actually, like, you know, because basically what's happening when, at least when I go into an, an anxiety attack is I... Um, or, like, have have those moments where I shut down is... Sorry. <clears throat> I... Um, it's like my um what's it, prefrontal cortex shuts down, which is basically the part of you that relates to people, and mm. so I actually notice myself and um, like observe myself sort of avoiding eye contact because what that does is that you feel like people are having empathy with you and relating to you, and that's what actually helps you calm down is to know that you're not actually in it alone, mm. and you know God is a huge part of that as well, like prayer and and actually you know recognizing that god's there with you and you know mm. that closeness with god is something that helps a lot as well because you know god is a, com- a god of communion mm. um but yeah for me like when i can there there have been a lot of moments where i felt something come on and i either have the choice to linger on that feeling and, and and let those thoughts sort of go around in my mind or i can say like okay no i'm not going to deal with that right now and sort of consume myself with people, you know, Mm -hmm. like bring myself to people and just have a stupid joke or, you know, like, you know, just do something stupid or, or not stupid, but like do do something silly and just sort of distract myself from that. And that's at the moment, that's how I'm, I'm sort of avoiding that happening to me. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's not to avoid, it's not to avoid feeling emotions altogether because it is really important to feel what you're feeling and and process what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. But, um, with, with anxiety. I don't, I don't believe anxiety is helpful. Um, or like the condition of anxiety. I think, you know, there's this feelings of anxiousness, which are normal. That's, that's, you know, that's human nature, but anxiety itself is, is, you know, I believe the enemy's voice. And so, you know, what I'm doing when I'm choosing that is I'm choosing against God. And obviously that's not, that's not to con- condemn, like, there's a lot of times the rest will choose it because that's what I'm used to doing. That's what people are used to doing. You know, if you have a really strong feeling, you're like, oh, this is me. This is me mm. feeling this thing. So I'm going along with this and this feels right because it's what I'm feeling. It's what humans do. And so choosing against that's not an easy thing. And mm. I'm not disregarding that. It's not easy, but...
0: That's no, good. Mm. The reason I ask is because I, um, over the last few years, like I, I can relate to this. I've mm. actually suffered... Uh, very bad anxiety attacks, panic attacks myself. And um, one thing that I've done, which has been tremendously helpful, mm-hmm. is uh, worship music. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I will sit yeah. there at the end of the bed, or I'll be lying down at the end of the bed. It always comes to me at night. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It always, hit, always hits me at night, yeah. in the middle of the night. And I'll play some worship music. And, you know, I got a select couple of songs that I put all my focus into mm-hmm. and it destroys it. Yeah. I've never, yeah. ever seen, because the the very first time it happened, I was in Invercargill and um, I I now believe that it was actually a demonic attack, this mm-hmm. one in yeah. particular, because throughout it was the worst I'd ever it was the first one I'd ever had. It was the worst one I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And and the light bulb in my bedroom exploded at the end of it. Wow. wow. Um, so I know it was more than just yeah. in my head, in my spirit. It was something else. Mm-hmm. And um, the over the years, being married to my wonderful wife, Laura um i hadn't I actually hadn't had these attacks for a long time and mm-hmm. and they they come very very rarely but they're normally they 're pretty bad when they do come, mm-hmm. and we've learned to combat them with worship music mm-hmm. and then Laura would pray mm-hmm. over me just while mm-hmm. i 'm worshipping and it goes from this tremendous Feeling of fear and everything collapsing mm-hmm. where I can hardly breathe and and i, I could totally relate to the splashing water on your face. Mm-hmm. I used to do that and um and I needed something cold. Mm-hmm. I needed to stand outside if it was winter, I would stand outside. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter what I was wearing and um but this took it to a whole new level of choosing a few songs that I would listen to. And focusing everything on that, and it went from this almost fearful cry mm-hmm. to this trembling fear of the Lord yeah. that brought this huge amount of joy. Yeah, and it just destroyed it. I yeah. uh, and and real quick too. Um, yeah, it was weird because it, uh, I can't remember how long it was. A hey, Laura, the, f- the first time. Yeah, when we're at the Tonks place. Yeah, um, it was quite a while. It was about half an hour or something.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: like it was a long time. Um, not being able to do anything, and I didn't know what was what was happening. I didn't yeah. couldn't understand yeah. it, and um, so I have a lot of um, I can relate to what you're saying mm-hmm. with with living and suffering with anxiety, mm-hmm. and yeah if anybody's listening you know um if you suffer from that it's worship music for me Mm -hmm. it just destroys it yeah it goes so quick god is so good and so powerful through Mm -hmm. that i suppose pick a song that has like a true anointing Mm -hmm. on it yeah yeah and yeah amazing i use the song um spirit lead me Mm -hmm. that one's really good
1: yeah i think like in those times definitely like the thing that will connect you to God will be the thing that will get you out. Like for mm. me, you know, I, I do relate to worship music as well. Like I have done that before as well, but like, you, you know, essentially it's relating to mm. God in some sort of way, mm. whether it's through people or music or, you know, whatever it is that you yeah. do, maybe journaling um, or, you know, whatever it is, but it it is like making that connection with God. But I think the thing is like during those times, it's not easy to make that choice to connect with God. And, and for me definitely like, you feel a resistance because the last thing that the enemy wants you to do in those times is to mm. connect with God. And so, mm. you know, like, you, you know, I mentioned like before, like the first time that I prayed out against it, praying out was just, it was so scary. Like yeah. that was the last thing that I wanted to do. I, mm. I felt desperate to get away in that situation mm. um, yeah. because that's because that's, you know, that's going in the opposite spirit and so when when all of your feelings and your entire body is pushing you in one direction and then you're choosing to go in the opposite spirit, like you're gonna feel resistance mm. yeah and so that's how you know that you're doing the right thing is that you're feeling like that that resistance and you know if you're if you're feeling that resistance and um you know you're feeling that impossible impossibleness of of going that way like you, you know you need to know that like that isn't impossible with the Lord with you like
0: mm. yeah. you know Come on. good
1: yeah maybe with uh, you know. I've never experienced pushing through that without God, so I, I couldn't speak f- for that. But I think, you know, for me, it would—I d- I don't think I could do it without God mm. because I just wouldn't have the power. But but with God, like he, you know, he's he's so far above this, and I think like you've experienced this as well. Like with worship music, afterwards you feel this joy because you, you know, I think it's that realization that God's so 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 far above that, mm. and um, yeah, it's just
0: that's really good you know, connecting mm. with God through that. Um, so yeah, is there anything else you would like to share with us before we end up finishing?
1: Um, yeah, maybe just to say that like, um, just my, my journey has been primarily around mental health, like so far, so, so far, you know, with God. Um, and I think, you know, coming into a relationship with God, coming into being a Christian and into this community, um, I wasn't I wasn't really I didn't really feel like I was encouraged or like told that you know it was it was something that actually God can heal. Mm. You know, even even before I was a Christian like looking looking it up on Google and not really finding much at all about you know actually this being something that can be healed, something that can yeah. go away entirely from your life. And I think that's so so discouraging especially for young people. You know, trying to search for an answer, and you know, I was in—I was in that place, trying to search for an answer to this problem I was facing, and and it's so so discouraging to find nothing. Mm. But you know, the second I found out, like God was the answer, like I just felt like it, I was, uh, yeah, just like if you haven't heard that God is the answer, like He mm. is, uh, He's the answer to it, and it, I I I f- know how big it feels, like it feels astronomical and it feels like nothing could be above that but i think i think that was a testimony for me to who god was as well because
2: Mm.
1: if you know how big depression feels if you know how big anxiety feels when you know the truth that god is bigger than that Mm. you know you have an understanding you know you have an understanding that how god how big god is
2: Mm.
1: and yeah just like always god is always bigger than that feeling and that, that sort of blows my mind because, you know, that feeling could feel like existential mm. and, you know, if with every, with every bad, there's so much more good yeah. mm. <laughs> and, you know, that's, it's just, it's just amazing. So yeah, I hope that's an encouragement to people listening who, yeah. who, um, experience that because, you know, that's, I don't feel like it's, it's talked about enough that God is the answer to that. Mm. Yeah, It's a touchy subject, especially in church, but yeah. You know, God is the answer.
0: Mm. Well, I definitely took a lot away from just listening to your testimony, Rosie. You are a powerful woman of God. Thank you. And um, man, you are somebody not to be messed with. <laughs> if the devil's listening to this podcast, you are strong, and you know the Lord, and and He's carrying you through. Um, those trials and, and it's, you know, it's a bit like going to the gym, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's, it's heavy, it's hard, it's Mm -hmm. sweaty, it's, Mm -hmm. it tears those muscles, Mm -hmm. but as they heal, you become stronger, you become, you can lift more weight, Mm -hmm. you can throw those punches a lot Mm -hmm. harder. And when I listen to this testimony, like through your life, you've had these trials of depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. And now this has led you to a life where people with those same trials, you're going to be Mm -hmm. pulling them out. Like a Mm -hmm. fireman pulls out people from a fire Mm -hmm. and yeah, that (laughs) stretcher, you know, you'll be carrying people out of the fire and, uh, you know, saving them and. Mm-hmm. And I see that in you, you know, you've, you've got such a passion for God mm-hmm. and, um, and you know where you're at with God, mm-hmm. you know, that he's the one to run to mm-hmm. as a good father. You know, sometimes people, we, we feel worried or we feel an- anxious and we run away from our father because mm-hmm. we don't want, we feel like we're in trouble. Yeah. But the father says, you know, when you're feeling anxious, when you feel like you're in trouble, run to me, mm-hmm. I have my arms open wide, mm-hmm. like the prodigal son, you know, yeah. um, and yeah i think that was that was really really neat testimony so thank you so much for coming on the jesus magnet podcast thank you for inviting me (laughs) (laughs) you're an amazing person rosie thank you um if you enjoyed this episode of the jesus magnet podcast um obviously find us on facebook join the join the jesus magnet coffee club if you if you want to support us and um yeah we'll see you next time on the jesus magnet podcast